0: Listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio six forty Toronto. It's Adrian Batcher from the Toronto Sun in for Alan Carter. Thank you very much for spending some of your afternoon with us. A beautiful day in the city, a few clouds, sort of coming up, but uh, hopefully the weather will hold off and you're enjoying yourself. These last sort of days of the summer, schools coming up, it's hard to imagine that's already happening. So if you will recall, we broke some news here last week on uh, Global News Radio 640 Toronto had to do with the manhunt in BC, the two suspects that were uh, allegedly had killed those two hikers in British Columbia and what, what has been called a thrill kill well, we know that their bodies were found. We know that there was a torched out vehicle found in northern Manitoba. And now more information is emerging that a, a phone message, a final recorded phone message was found with the bodies, according to the families of the victims. However, the RCMP has decided or is deciding not to release this information. Why? Isn't there not a public interest to actually hear these this recording? Is there not a public interest to understand why these individuals perhaps did what they did? I believe that this was one of the biggest manhunts that Canada has seen in some time. And there's a massive public interest in with respect to this. There's a massive public interest with respect to how these individuals um, did this and and having a sense and an understanding about why uh, Cam McLeod, who was 19, and Briar Schmigelski, who was 18, killed these two individuals, killed Leonard Dick of Vancouver and Lucas Fowler of Australia, the three individuals, excuse me, Lucas Fowler, who's 23, and um, the American, uh, China D's. Why did McLeod and Schmelgeski kill them? So, if the police are in possession of an audio recording that would that is from these um, these men that are now dead from suicide, we uh, heard that in the autopsy report last week. Then it is incumbent upon law enforcement to actually release this information, not only for the families and the victims, but also for for to help more broadly understand why these individuals did what they did. It seems reasonable to me Um, The it it seems like it's not unheard of. So what is being reported is the two um, the the suspects, though, when they were being sought nationwide, they used cell phones to record what is being called their last will and testament. It was a video um, before uh, they shot themselves, and we know that they were the bodies were found um, in, as I said, in northern Manitoba. This this is one of those sorts of cases that is is almost inexplicable, and if there is truly a cell phone video in 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 a uh, what is being called the last will and testament of their final words and their final thoughts. We would assume, and and we only can assume because we don't have enough information, because the police won't release it. We can only assume that they actually explain and give some semblance of reasoning as to why they killed those three people in in northern BC. I it just seems reasonable to me that this information should be released. Um, often far too often in Canada our our police uh, who do an excellent job it's not a knock on their or work on it's not a knock on their professionalism but they have this tendency to lock things down so quickly and so readily you know whenever there's an incident in the united states we see some small town sheriff stand before the national um, international media in in most cases and stand there for an hour hour and a half and answer every single question that is put to put to them and if they can't answer the question they will endeavor to get it, get it some answers that's not quite the case here in Canada. Our police officers um again do a great job, but we lock stuff down so quickly and so readily, but if we have an opportunity to hear the the last words, the last will and testament on a video of two um two men who are who are murderers, I believe that we should hear that. I believe that there is a public interest in that, specifically to understand what has happened here. Um Maybe they they there were more than just the two of them. I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities when it comes to this. But the fact is, uh, we we aren't getting the the recording released. Um, we in the media will of course put a lot of pressure on um the the RCMP to release that. But ultimately it may take one of the victims' families uh to to release the the recording, assuming or assuming that the families have heard the Heard the audio recording and uh perhaps one of them has that in their possession and will release it because you can't imagine the hardest time of your life this would be that for them but having some semblance of understanding having some answers even if it is from the the people that that murdered their children maybe getting a, an understanding as to why the heck they did it so there you go rcmp release the tape We have a lot to cover over the course of the next hour, and I'm actually going to be with you from one to three as well. I will be here for a uh, uh, out of out of studio Jeff MacArthur. So we have lots to unpack, lots to discuss. A lot of politics going on in the uh, slower days. The campaign has begun. The federal campaign, of course, has begun in earnest. We know that the prime minister has uh, had some challenges with lav scam as of late. Well, uh, Andrew Scheer, the leader of the Conservative Party, is in the GTHA doing all sorts of campaigning. He's making announcements about maternity benefits. He's at a daycare. Yesterday, we saw um, more uh, funding announcements from the, liberal government, the federal liberal government for, you know, all the goodies. every it's, it's goodies season. So if you are a special interest group or you're an organization that's looking for some money, pretty good chance that you're going to get some because the government, the liberals want your vote. But in this, what will be a very, very competitive federal election, we basically see that the polls are tied. Uh, it doesn't appear that uh, the SNC-Lavalin scandal has has hit uh, the trudeau liberals that hard as it did when it was relentless when the story first broke in february um it would appear that there's a, a, a the, the it's a 35 33 tie for the conservatives and the liberals in the last ipsos poll and you know the the if you look at trends and you look at where sort of the statistics lie polls are a snapshot of not necessarily what's happened but of what has uh What has already happened, right? It's not necessarily what's going to come, but what has already happened. So we will we will dive into that a little bit more. It was an online poll done by Ipsos. And it was done after the ethics commissioner report came out about SNC-Lavalin and had um, found that Justin Trudeau had broken the ethics law. Uh, and so this inf- this was ta- so perhaps it hasn't necessarily sunk in yet with Canadians so we uh we'll see what what comes in a, in a week or two um, as they absorb more information about it and as more stories um, come out with respect to the Ethics Commissioner report. And now in light of the fact that Andrew Scheer has asked for an RCMP investigation, um, and then we learned from our, our very own Mercedes Stevenson that Jody wilson Rabel, the former Attorney General, has indeed been in contact with the RCMP, whereas they reached out to her to speak to her with uh, respect to what unfolded. With the uh, prime minister's office, the finance minister's office, all um, obstructing justice by trying to get the former attorney general to change her mind. So now we have a potential RCMP investigation. We still have the ethics commissioner report. And then on top of that, we have Jody Wilson-Raybould, the former attorney general, coming out with her own book. In September, what will be in that book? Um, It's supposed to be about reconciliation. We don't know how much there will be with respect to the SNC-Lavalin scandal, uh, scandal, but certainly it throws it all back into the headlines. So all of this to say it doesn't seem to be um, having as much of an impact this time around in the polling that we're seeing against the uh, for the liberals the liberals seem to still be holding on to a very comfortable second place Um, often what conservatives will tell you is that conservatives are not necessarily represented fairly in some of these polls because uh, either they won't answer the phone or they won't tell you or for whatever case uh, there is so perhaps um, there might be a better, a bigger cushion for the Conservatives, it's, it, who knows? But what's also interesting in some of these numbers is just how low the NDP are. So according to the Ipsos poll, the NDP are at 18% nationally, the Green Party is at 9%, the Bloc Québécois is at 3%, the People's Party is at 1%, and Other is at 1%, so basically statistical, uh, st- statistically irrelevant. <laughs> stories that move us they shake us they make us uncomfortable they rattle us they also inform us uh the one i'm about to discuss with you comes from our colleague from global news halifax elizabeth mcsheffrey uh this has to do with a former oil patch helicopter pilot his name is matthew linnet he lied in an incident report and then ultimately became a whistleblower And Elizabeth, I'm going to let you pick up the story from there. Give us some context around exactly what the incident was and why did Matthew Linnett ultimately become a whistleblower?
1: for sure. So I'll I'll just start off by saying first that this is a joint investigation with the National Observer, so I I don't want to leave them out of this. Um, As you say, Matthew Lynn was a helicopter pilot who worked on remote well sites uh, in Alberta's oil patch. His services were contracted by CNRL, and on May 2nd, 2016, he was working on a well site in Car Creek, Alberta, when a valve that had been improperly shut down before he even got there spewed a geyser full of fluids and poisonous sour gas. And for your listeners, uh, sour gas or hydrogen sulfide is a gas that can be fatal to humans in high concentrations. Uh, So Matthew Linnett, his first instinct was to reach for the emergency breathing equipment that's usually stored on these sites. But he was shocked to discover that that equipment wasn't there. So he ran into the bushes and hid from the fumes until his air monitor told him it was safe to go back and breathe that air. Uh, And You know, he he considers himself lucky today to have escaped with his life, and he told me he could no longer live with the lie that he told when he got back.
0: So his his supervisors at Canadian Natural Resources Limited, which is a private company, yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. So as you report, Matthew Linnet feels that he, quote, had to read between the lines in terms of the accident and what he should be saying, and which somehow... Propelled him to lie and mislead on the on, on the actual incident report. Um, you go on to talk about how this is quite commonplace, and um, which you know is is a moment to give us all pause for for starters. But uh, he he then sort of ha- this down the road to redemption, so to speak. He decides that he can't live with this. He he has to speak. He has to talk about it. How much bigger is it then than just this one incident report?
1: I interviewed uh, a number of sources, former and current oil and gas workers in British Columbia, Saskatchewan and Alberta and uh, none of them were shocked by uh, Matthew Linnet's story many of them told me that these issues were systemic in the oil patch these health and safety cover-ups but those cover-ups range in severity. Matthew had a very severe case um, but sometimes it's as simple as signing off on a safety meeting that never happened Uh, sometimes it's as, as agreed Just as um, never disclosing or reporting a serious injury to preserve a company's incident free rate or to avoid having to log uh, lost time at work. Now, it's important to say that CNRL declined to comment on this investigation altogether, uh, so they did not want to address the falsified incident report. Uh, We also have a secret recording that Matthew Linnett made with a supervisor at CNRL. uh, that addresses some of his allegations that he was pressured to rewrite the report, um, that he didn't have any breathing equipment on site, and he felt pressured that somebody would be fired unless he unless he covered this up in his incident report. Uh, so it's important to mention that we we don't have any comment from CNRL here. Uh, we also don't have any comment from the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. So they cited a lack of evidence in this investigation to to indicate that there's an industry wide uh, trend here. But what we've heard from whistleblowers is that this is something that's impossible to prove, almost, because as you've seen in, in, in Matthew Linnet's case, sometimes the only paperwork, the only evidence that's filed is the evidence that doesn't contain the complete truth. Uh, and the rest of it is, uh, you know, whispers that we hear from uh, oil and gas workers in the dog houses, in the, in the oil patch. So it's something that's actually really hard to prove is happening. All we have are the stories that have been sent to us. And And even in the hour since this story was published this morning, I've had oil and gas workers, former, current friends, family of oil and gas workers reach out to me and say, thank you for writing this. We have our own stories. I worked in the patch for this long, and I've seen this and this and this happen. So there's certainly no doubt anecdotally that it's happening, but it is difficult to prove.
0: It really is. And and before I brought you on air, I I had sort of touched on this notion that, These types of reports, these incident reports, these health and safety reports have um, been doctored in the past. I mean, we certainly know the most well-known case in Ontario where a couple of brothers who faked some uh, water safety reports. Of course, ultimately people died, led to the Walkerton inquiry and a whole host of other um, dominoes fell from there. What do you see is sort of the consequence um, um, in in, in your reporting and and with the National Observer? I note that you obtained some of the documentation from CNRL with respect to this specific incident report. And they called it um, excellent analysis, like an excellent report, an excellent analysis and reporting on safety, which, of course, it was all BS. I mean, it was it was all a lie. So what are the consequences now moving forward, Elizabeth?
1: Well, it's it's hard to say what happens now. Certainly, there are you know very real uh, consequences for the oil and gas workers on the ground. They're the they're the individuals whose safety and health is sometimes put on the line here. But there are consequences for people who do come forward uh, with these allegations. Now, Matthew Linnett was in an exceptional circumstance here. Uh, he doesn't work in the industry anymore, so his bread and butter doesn't depend on it. But every other person that I talked to was not able to go on the record uh, with their claims, wasn't able to retrieve any sort of documentation or proof all for fear of being blacklisted in the industry now that's what they call it when when your name starts being circulated as somebody who causes trouble on the rigs who doesn't play the game uh, you know who squeals for lack of a better term and when you make it difficult and there you know there are 15 guys all competing for the same jobs in the same hours uh, they tell me you know it wouldn't be surprising if you found yourself out of a job at some point
0: that sounds you know alarming yet again in terms of just the the broader issue in the bro- broader context let talk to me a little bit more now about um, richard and now he's moved on he's he's living in british columbia obviously not no longer in the uh, in the in the industry per se what what is he up to now
1: so Matthew Linnett is living in Cumberland, B.C. Uh, he works in logistics, in trucking, um, and he, you know, he's he's been very pleased to have this investigation come forward. Uh, I haven't heard yet from him today, but uh, certainly he knew it was coming out, um, and I'm sure he's expecting a pile of messages uh, to come his way for better or for worse. I'm certainly receiving lots of messages today, but he's doing well. His kids are great, um, and I think over. Uh, Overall, I think it's fair to say that he's, he's happy to see that this chapter uh, in his life is closed. He certainly received a lot of backlash, a lot of anonymous, threatening phone calls after he raised these health and safety c- concerns at CNRL. Um, yeah, he told me all about, uh, you know, anonymous threats, saying, you know, what have you done? Look what you've done. You know, you better not show up here or there. Uh, so he, so he, he paid his due for, for having blown the whistle, certainly.
0: And just in the in the last few moments that we have left, what has CNRL's response been to the uh, to the report that you and the national observer have come forward with?
1: CNRL hasn't responded to any of the allegations. Uh, I made several requests for comment over several months, but they declined in all circumstances. But this won't actually be the first time that CNRL has heard Matthew Linnett's story. Um, Matthew Linnett came forward with complaints to CNRL's Human Resources Department at the time, in July 2016, shortly after this happened, and he actually confessed at that time to falsifying the report. Um, and in the end, CNRL's HR deter- HR department determined determined. determined in their own investigation that he did not falsify the report. So, essentially, uh, they accused him of falsely making a claim about having falsified a document, which, you know, Matthew Linnet just finds baffling.
0: I think CNRL needs a little bit of public relations advice. Elizabeth, thank you very much for uh, joining me in this uh, really extraordinary story.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Elizabeth McSheffery is with our sister station on Global News in Halifax. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is Adrienne Batcher from the Toronto Sun in for Alan Carter at the top of the show, we talked about a new poll coming up for the federal election, basically showing the Conservatives and the Liberals tied. We know that it's going to be a contentious election. It's going to be personal. It's going to be nasty in spite of what uh, you may hear from the leaders that they all want to keep it clean. This is going to be a rough and tumble one. And one of the areas that most of the campaigning will probably be done is right here in your own backyard, in the GTHA in Toronto, outside of the area. This is where the votes are to be won and to be lost. And this is where we find ourselves with the leader of the Conservative Party, Andrew Shear, who's joining me now. Um, Mr. Shear, thank you very much for uh, taking some time.
2: Thank you very much and good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. And I know that our listeners are anxious to hear about, you know, your plan versus the Liberal plan. Let me just quickly ask you what it is that you were uh, announcing today and your campaign stop at a local daycare. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, our entire campaign will be focused on making life more affordable, leaving more, pockets in the, more money in the pockets of Canadians so that they can get ahead. Uh, So today we announced that new moms and dads who go on EI, maternity, or parental leave uh, will receive those benefits tax-free. Most Canadians uh, sacrifice up to 45% of their salary when they go on mat leave. Uh, The government comes along at the end of that and taxes a huge chunk of it back. Uh, We don't think that's right. After making that sacrifice, those benefits should be tax-free. And that's going to leave more money in the pockets of parents to make their own decisions about how to care for their children.
0: That's not an insignificant hit to the public purse, though, uh, Mr. Shearer. I I can imagine this is uh, a hefty price tag that comes along with this.
2: Well, we've costed it out at around a billion dollars. And what that means for individuals is that they'll have uh, up to $4,000 left uh, when these benefits are made tax-free. So it's significant to parents. It's going to make a big difference in the lives of families who are Facing a lot of costs. You know, I've got five children. I know when you're talking about car seats and clothes and uh, diapers and toys and all of that type of thing, uh, those costs add up very quickly. So uh, this $4,000 per person uh, benefit will really help with some of the costs that come along with uh, being a new mom or dad.
0: And of course, the on the on the other side, we will hear the cynical uh, response from the liberals and and, and others of the NDP that uh, once again this is you know not not in in keeping with you know what we want to do. You know the the liberal pl- liberals will say their plan works already. Um, we'll have all of that rhetoric, but you know, cutting through it, uh, why was this a priority for your for your party?
2: Because it's all about making life more affordable, and we see that, that despite. As you mentioned, despite good intent, despite a lot of spin, despite the fact that they say they want to make life more affordable, in fact, under the Liberals, life has gotten more expensive. Uh, the carbon tax has driven up costs. Uh, the higher and higher deficits mean that taxes are going up as well. We know that they're going to raise the carbon tax after the la- after the next election. And indeed, uh, over eighty percent of Canadian families are paying higher taxes today than they were before. So we're starting to lay out the the proof points, the specific poli- uh, policies that we're going to put in front of Canadians so they can see in a tangible, practical way, not a, not a theoretical, you know, aspirational, we're going to hope over the course of five years we're going to do this. We're talking about tar- direct measures that will provide a direct benefit, and this one, up to $4,000 Staying in the pockets of new moms and dads will absolutely help deal with the high cost of living. All
0: right, let's talk a little bit of politics here. Uh, uh, On the line with me is Andrew Scheer, the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, who recently just made an announcement that uh, uh, will make maternity benefits tax-free if he is successful. Him and his party are successful in the October election. Let's talk about Lab Scam. Um, yesterday, you formally wrote that an RCMP investigation should happen into what happened with the former attorney general. Um, previously, you had suggested and not suggested, very plainly said that uh, ju- um, there should be uh, a resignation. The prime minister should resign. But I also want to um, put this to you as well. After everything that you had said uh Justin Trudeau said he was going to sue you. So first question, um, the the RCMP doesn't have to. I mean, it's not like a it's not like a parliamentary office where uh, they, they have to listen to what the leader of the opposition says. So why do that in the first place? And then second, is Justin Trudeau still suing you?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we believe that this is important because uh, new information has come to light. Uh, We now know that Justin Trudeau's office was talking to both the defendant and the Attorney General in a court case, and that the Attorney General did not know that they were behind the scenes concocting a scheme with the defendant, with the very people who are facing uh, criminal charges. Uh, That, to me, uh, certainly meets the test of rising to the level of obstruction of justice. You are right. At the end of the day, it's up to the RCMP. They don't take... uh, orders from politicians. They make their own determinations. But as is the case in in many uh, instances, this uh, this is me referring it to them. This is me pointing to them and urging them to take this seriously, uh, which I'm hopeful and confident that they they will. In terms of whether or not Justin Trudeau is suing me, of course he's not suing me, because the truth is a defense. And when I said that he was involved in corruption, when I, when I said that he was involved in orchestrating a uh, campaign to pressure Jody Wilson-Raybould, when I said that he was saying things that wasn't true, uh, that, that he has uh, told falsehoods to Canadians, we now know that all of that is true. Uh, so I hope he does sue me, because I'd love to have him cross-examined, and I'd love to have this go to court so we can finally get some sworn testimony out of him. Uh, but I know that he doesn't have the backbone to do it. He won't follow through at all.
0: Right. This, um, you know, all the, all the political drama that is unfolding with this. Uh, one of the things that um, I know we have just a little bit of time left with you, uh, Mr. Shearer. in the future, we'd love to do a more fulsome conversation, but uh, we appreciate you taking some time. Right now, one of the biggest issues facing the city of Toronto, for example, and there's a lot of. A lot of voters that are listening right now. Um, The prime minister was here recently and stood shoulder to shoulder with the mayor of Toronto. Really didn't say much in terms of helping um, and and assisting to curb uh, uh, gun violence in this country, um, especially in big cities like Toronto. What would you have said if you were standing beside the mayor of Toronto to um, allay Torontonians that, you know, the federal government is going to um, help deter this massive gun violence? What would your plan be?
2: Well, our plan is to actually go after the criminals. Uh, Justin Trudeau talks about asking law-abiding Canadians to follow more laws. Uh, What we're saying is that the criminals should face real consequences and that gangs and criminal organizations should be targeted. So I put forward uh, a detailed plan to make Canada safer, which includes uh, changing bail conditions. I, I heard a, a representative from the police force say that a big problem is that these these gang members get let out on bail and they immediately go back to the gangs and participate in crimes. Uh, our plan makes it much more difficult for them to be released on bail. It also targets illegal guns that are being trafficked over the border. Uh, that's something that, that, that uh, experts have agreed, that if we focus on that, we can get a lot of the illegal guns off the street. So we're actually doing the hard work. Justin Trudeau actually passed legislation that weakened penalties for very serious crimes, but we would go in the opposite direction, holding people accountable, especially when we're talking about repeat and of violent offenders. We're not talking about 20, you know, a 20-year-old uh, young person or a 17-year-old kid who makes a mistake, uh, gets carried away. We're talking about people who have uh, a huge rap sheet, who have multiple convictions, multiple charges. Those are the people that our justice system should say, you know what? you're choosing to be a criminal, we're going to keep you away from honest Canadians so they can live in peace and security in their communities.
0: Mr. Shearer, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. As we uh, look at what the upcoming events in the fall in Toronto there's one thing that everybody loves talking about and that's the Toronto International Film Festival a lot of celebrity sighting a lot of films movies to screen and often some of the, the some of the movies that do film here and debut at TIFF go on to being some of the biggest movies um in 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 the award season the Oscars the uh, Golden Globes these are all the things that... Um, these are all the, the the types of things that those who are observers of Toronto International Film Festival are looking for. What is going to be the big emerging storyline? Who is going to be the star? Who will be the hit? Well, the person who covers all this for us and lives and breathes this on a daily basis who at a very early start to the morning today too is our very own Vicky Sparks global news's pop culture expert great to have you here good morning you have um had afternoon quite, i guess it's it's pretty Sorry, it's, i'm still catching up <laughs> it's afternoon you were you were on this morning on the global morning show yes. on doing the tv co-hosting and now here we've dragged you onto the radio <laughs> to keep talking about pop culture listen i can do it all day i knew you are very fine at it so, I uh, I'm glad that you're here because we've had a very weighty discussion about politics and stuff. So Ugh. let's let's I want to lighten it up a little bit Perfect. for our listeners. So as we go forward in the next week or so, what, next week and a half, getting prepared for uh, for Tiff. Um, we're going to be hearing who the stars are, the A-listers, the big celebs. Yep. Um, what are some of the names? Let's talk about some of the movies or some of the fancy people call them films. <laughs> but let's talk about who's going to be gracing us in Toronto this year.
3: Okay, so some big names are coming for the festival this year. Uh, you've got Tom Hanks. You've got Meryl Streep maybe putting in an appearance. She's also winning an award. Um, you've got Matt Damon, Christian Bale, Joaquin Phoenix, Ansel Elgort, uh, Rosamond Pike. Almost anyone you can think of is going to be here at some point.
0: So I want to talk about Meryl Streep for a moment because I'm a big fan of Big Little Lies. Aren't we all? Her performance in Big Little Lies. Mm. I know it's not a TIFF-related thing, but my goodness. I think it It completely justified their second season, which
3: after season one, I was like, I don't think we need a second season. It was great, but But don't mess with Perspection. And then Meryl came in and I was like, oh. I have changed my mind. And totally
0: worth it. It was, it was, she was absolutely extraordinary. And, yeah. but then, you know, in the, well, am I going to spoil this for yeah, those? Don't spoil it. People get really mad when you spoil anyway, things. I know from Nicole experience. Kidman does a, <laughs> does quite a dismantling at some point of, of uh, Meryl Streep's character. But so she's receiving an award. What is the award she's receiving?
3: I, don't have the details in front of me, unfortunately. I know almost everything off by heart, except for names of awards. But she is coming into town uh, for the uh, awards. She's also got a movie uh, called The Laundry Mat. It's a Steven Soderbergh movie that I hadn't heard much about. To be honest, there hasn't been that much buzz about it. So I was delighted to find it on the list of movies that will be premiering. And as with everything
0: Meryl does or touches, I'm sure it will be brilliant. Well, I was just saying... um uh, Vicky, that a lot of people have now looked at TIFF as sort of like one of the more more preeminent film festivals mm-hmm. that are, are around the world, and. You know, those those wonderful movies do emerge. They move on to the Golden Globes. They move yep. on to be very successful. At the Osc- Oscars, I'm thinking about Lady Gaga. Yep. Uh, and do you see that happening? I mean, I know the full list is not out yet. I understand that. But what are you, what are you most anticipating?
3: Yeah, I think what's interesting about TIFF is that it has become a preeminent festival, but it hasn't... It's moved to have a not unsubstantial commercial edge to it. Yes, there are kind of the smaller art house films that you can go and enjoy en masse, and that's fantastic, but it also doesn't shy away from those big name commercial movies that you are going to see dominate the Oscars and the Golden Globes and the box office going forward. So it's a nice mix of the two, because I think when you only feature, you know, that art house genre, very, very small independent movies, topics that are maybe a a little more out there, you don't get the kind of mass participation from the public, and that's what set t- sets TIFF apart from any other festival. Is that you know over the course of ten days, they'll have half a million people come through and watch these movies. We are a film town here in Toronto. We love movies. You go to any of these other festivals. I mean, yes, there are options for the public to attend, but it's simply not at a comparable volume. So that's what really, really sets us apart. And that's what I think makes it so valuable to have your film be here because you do get that crowd reaction and you get to figure out, you know, did this did this jive with people? Did people emotionally connect to this?
0: Is this something that's going to connect at the box office? And I think there's an accessibility still with TIFF. It's not like Cannes. where right. all of the celebrities are flying in on their own private planes or boating in from well, not Vienna. Yet, at least. Yeah. I mean there's there's still an unattainable sort of notion of of con. Yeah. And yet in Toronto, maybe it's cuz this is our backyard, but you still see the celebrities lining up with the yeah. selfies in the pictures. And, and sometimes that's where the, the best stuff happens is on the red carpet. I remember, um, maybe it was last year or the year before, where Benedict Cumberbatch took this amazing picture yeah. with um, a number of the fans. And, I mean, the picture went viral. And, yeah. you know, that was sort of the, the, the a bit of a buzz. Of course, he had a great movie um, at the festival as well. But, uh, you know, those are those sort of little things I think that still helps Tiff be so successful and continues to grow.
3: Without a doubt. And I think... Uh, You're exactly right. In Cannes, when celebrities do attend, they're very cloistered. They're very separated from the public. You know, they're at these events and the public is over here watching, you know, from fancy opera binoculars, hoping to grab a glimpse of them. Whereas Toronto, they invade our city and we invade their space right back. So, you know, you can be sitting in your favorite restaurant. That's your favorite restaurant all year long and look over and three tables away, George Clooney's enjoying your favorite meal. And that's simply an opportunity that doesn't exist anymore. Everywhere else.
0: That's why the whole city buzzes while it's, you know, chock a block full of celebrities yeah. for ten days. And they're usually hanging around in certain parts of the city and yeah. um I wanna I'm gonna ask you about some of the best celebrity watching, but I do wanna I want do wanna talk about a couple of the movies that sure. have been announced. Um Natalie Portman, Oscar winner, um of course, also of Star Wars fame. You know, the the, the <laughs> that th- small second, movie? yeah. That second incarnation of, of Star Wars. Um she has a movie, Lucy in the Sky. What is, yes. uh, and this is one of the, the bigger ones that is is going to be um, premiering here.
3: Yeah, definitely. What is
0: uh, Lucy in the Sky?
3: So Lucy in the Sky is a story of an astronaut played by Natalie Portman, who goes off to space. And when she returns... Things don't appear to be quite right with her mental health. The trailer doesn't give away what's happened. We don't have any inkling of of how things have gone wrong. We just know that things aren't right when she gets back and we will get to discover that throughout the movie. So, I mean, Natalie Portman turns out Incredible performance after incredible performance. So I have no doubt that this is really going to be a showpiece for her. And I feel fairly confident in saying there will at least
0: be some awards buzz around it, whether or not it makes it. Yeah, Black Swan was such an extraordinary movie. I mean, the one that she did win the Oscar for... Maybe not necessarily the Star Wars character. Maybe not, not Star great. Wars. But Jackie
3: was fantastic. Um, you know, that was a tiff a few years ago. Um, so I think that yeah, her her smaller roles
0: that she chooses outside of the big franchises tend to really pay off for her. And so there's another one that they've announced and this has to do with Mick Jagger of all people. Mick Jagger's um the burnt orange heresy is supposed to be screening and I I then we don't need to dive into it, but I just find it interesting. They just, uh, the Rolling Stones just did a tour. They were just outside of Toronto recently. I mean, these guys are, yeah, they're, they're old, everywhere. but they're still kicking.
3: Oh, absolutely. And especially Mick after his recent uh, heart surgery, he's getting right back out there. But yeah, the burnt orange heresy is an Italian American drama. Um, it's coming out. It's premiering in Venice before it comes to Toronto, which a lot of films do these days. Um, so maybe, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it'll bring uh, Mick to the, Mick to the city. We'll look over and of see the Of the
0: ones that you've heard of thus far, which yep. one are you the most anxious about? Which one are you anticipating the most?
3: I mean, I have high expectations for a, a running list of about 40 upstairs on my <laughs> desktop. Oh my goodness. Um, so we won't go through all 40, um, but I will say my expectations are very high. The more I see of Judy, the biopic with Renee Zellweger um, playing Judy Garland, the more excited I get to see that. Um, I'm very much anticipating the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Um, these are slightly more commercial choices, but they're they're more accessible for kind of the mass audiences. Um, the Joker looks like it's a, a totally new Joker story that we haven't seen before. And prior to seeing glimpses of the film, I was like, I don't really know if we need another Joker movie, but they've got me on board already with the trailers. It looks mm-hmm. hauntingly terrifying. Um, and of course, I love a good tearjerker, a good heartstring puller. Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, that might be the culmination of everything good in the world. So I can't wait to see uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood and see if it can live up to the astronomical expectations everyone
0: has for it. You know, you mentioned Renee Zellweger and she sort of went... Away for a while. Yes. But she's now um reemerged with yeah. that extraordinarily successful Netflix show, What If? Yep. Which is also, to use your words, hauntingly terrifying. Um her character and that really is troubling her her yeah. demeanor, her personality, but yet she is so exceptional at it. I think in part it was because she had some plastic surgery. Maybe that maybe have gone I mean, a little maybe bit a little. maybe a little awry, shall we say. But moving on from that, she is someone um, I think that so so often these celebrities who are absolute top A-listers kind of go away for a while, get some face done. And then, (laughs) you know, they they emerge from a Netflix show or a um, one of these streaming services where they've done something that's not been on the big screen. Yep. And then suddenly... There they are, back back. again on the big screen. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I think that it's a real testament to how TV has has kind of lost that negative connotation of like, oh, you're a TV star. I'm a movie star. Yeah, they're one and the same now, and they could be equally prestigious. Um, So I think that it's a great way to kind of cut your teeth when you're coming back into an industry after some time off. It gives you longer um, a longer period and a longer medium to explore a character and show off those acting chops. I think that Renee Zellweger has been traditionally a quite an underrated actress, right? She came onto the scene with Jerry Maguire. She was great, but also kind of written off as a fluffy rom-com star. She did the Bridget Jones series, mm-hmm. which is criminally underrated for how funny it is and how great her performance is but we forget that she's a really serious actor underneath all of these kind of character roles that she's taken on so I'm really really excited to see Judy well
0: especially the character like what we know about Judy Garland I mean she's a very troubled woman she had drug I mean, and like an alcohol issues no matter who's going to do it exactly and you know it's it's going to be pretty extraordinary well what is extraordinary is you and your analysis of all the things that are tipped thank you anytime Vicki Spark is our global news pop culture expert.